0: And
1: guys we're transitioning into the part of service where we're going to take communion and I thought it's so powerful that that the Lord would have the the worship team play this song right before we did because the Bible talks about not taking communion in an unworthy manner and what's one of the quickest ways to get your disposition right before the Lord is to acknowledge who he is worthy he is worthy he is worthy of it all so as the, as the ushers are handing out the elements, I would, let's just take a moment to examine our hearts, to, to get prepared, to partake in the elements. Lord, you're worthy. You're worthy. The Lord was speaking to me while we were worshiping about communion. And he asked me this question. He said, why do you think communion's so powerful? One of the, one of the reasons. So I listened, I listened, I listened. He said, it reminds the enemy that the blood is against him. It reminds him. It says that you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And there's nothing more powerful than a believer who understands identity and understands what Jesus did. Because when we remember, if we come and we do communion just out of habit, there's very little power in it. But when you do it from a place, from a disposition where you understand what Jesus did. You understand uh, what his body was broken for. You understand what the blood does in our life. And the enemy knows that you know that the blood is against him. He loses power. He loses grips on people's minds, on their hearts. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says this, he says, for I've received from the Lord what I've also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took a loaf of bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said this, this is my body and it's for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So right now we're just going to, we're going to remember the body that Jesus he laid down his body he laid it down it was broken Father we thank you for the body of Christ God we thank you that it was broken on behalf of us Lord Lord we remember we remember your sacrifice God and we thank you for the power that comes from the cross of Jesus Lord we thank you that you laid yourself down for us God we thank you Lord we thank you for your body we thank you Jesus we thank you We thank you that the blood is against the enemy. We thank you for your body. Let's take the bread together, guys. It says, in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And it goes on a little further. He says, for as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Lord, we thank you for the blood that was shed on on the cross. Lord, we thank you for every drop. We thank you, Lord, that you sacrificed everything to restore us back to identity. Jesus, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for it, God. We thank you that it it covers our sins, that it washes us clean as snow. Lord, we thank you that your blood gives us a It gives us our identity back. It's what it does. It gives us our identity back that we're restored to the Father because of what you did. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you. And in taking this, we proclaim your death until you come, Lord. And we can take the cup. Morning, we're going to pray. The Lord put two things on my heart. He put one of the things He put on my heart is the family unit. Is that mothers and fathers and children? Uh, you know, Sam gave a testimony in prayer this morning. He talked about how his family got to minister somewhere, and we're just going to pray that families would would be united by the gospel. Uh, that the division would stop. That God would just restore relationships between fathers and sons, between mothers and daughters, between husbands and wives. And after that, we're going to pray for unity in the church. Because there's nothing more powerful than a united church. There's nothing more detrimental than a divided one. It breaks God's heart. So, Father, we thank you for the family units, God. Lord, we pray right now that you would start to break down walls of division. God, that you would break down uh, people's, they have these these rights in their hearts that they want to be right and win these these arguments. God, we pray that you would break down all those walls. Holy Spirit, we ask you that you'd start to minister to people one-on-one, God. That you would start to heal hearts, Father. That you would take husbands and you would take wives and you would take children. And God, you would give them a burden to start praying for each other instead of uh, fussing about each other. Lord, we pray that the blood of Jesus would draw them together, Lord. Lord, we pray for healing and families God Lord there have been some some family uh wars have been going on for years and years and years and Lord we pray for restoration right now God Lord we pray for supernatural restoration to take place Lord we pray that the Holy Spirit would come in and heal hearts God we pray that children would become unbitter God Lord they would lose bitter uh roots God we pray you uproot them in Jesus name that you break down every wall of bitterness and resentment God Lord, we pray for a a united family unit, God. We pray that husbands and wives would start to get a, a heavy burden to just lead their children in prayer and reading the word. God, we pray that you would bring such a unity amongst families, God, that the revival would start in the homes. God, it would start in the homes, God, that families would pray together, that they would seek your face, God. Oh, Jesus, we thank you that that jobs and notoriety and society, all these things are, are losing their grip in comparison to your kingdom, that families that husbands and wives would seek first your kingdom, God. Lord, we thank you for that, God. We thank you that you're uniting families in Jesus' name. And God, on a grander scale, we ask you that you would unite the church, God. Lord, that the, the different assemblies, God, would just start to understand the unity aspect of the body of Christ. Lord, we would start to pray for other churches. Lord, we would start to pray for other church members. God, that we would see inside the walls of our own church. And Lord, we would understand that we're supposed to esteem others as higher than ourselves. Lord, we pray that we would lose our uh just self-preservation in this hour God. Lord we pray that you would be able to trust us with other churches Lord and we can pray for them that we can fast for them. Lord we pray that the Holy Spirit starts to bind churches together. Lord and we would start to work together in communities. God we would start to work together on missions to bring the lost into the kingdom. Father I pray that you would give us uh, ideas and you'd give us plans and you give us dreams God about co-laboring with other people God that we would not think it's about us and our platform and our our this and our that but Lord we would do the will of the Father Lord we pray that churches would start to understand unity the way that you see it God we pray that you start to speak to people in their dreams God we pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to fall on people Lord I pray that you convict even my heart God and Lord we pray you convict our heart in this church God that we would not be a hindrance to the move of God in our cities but God we would come into agreement and it's aligned with what you're saying and what you're doing God that we would lift our brothers up that we would pray for them that we would seek their best interest God Lord, we bind the spirit that causes division, backbiting and slandering each other. Lord, we repent for that. And Lord, we ask you to remove and uproot that demonic force that's been so active in the church. God, we pray that you pour out your spirit, God. Have mercy on us, God. Cause us to move according to the spirit of God. Oh, Jesus, we need your help. We need your help, but God, we're willing. God, we're willing. Don't let us dig our heels in the, in the sand. God, we're not unwilling. Lord, let us be willing, Lord. Lord, soften our hearts, Jesus. God, I pray you soften our hearts. Lord, soften our hearts towards our brothers and our sisters, God. Give us the grace to see outside of our own little world. God, that we would see the, the, the church of the whole world. God, we'd, bel- we'd remember believers that are laying down their life. Lord, those who are on the mission field, Lord, we'd start to pray for them. God, give us a a passion and a compassion for the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that. We love you, God. We know that you're moving in these ways. We know that you're doing a powerful work inside the church. And, Lord, we agree with you. Lord, we say we repent for being a hindrance, and we agree. And we say, Lord, do construction on our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Well welcome to Life Church. Pastor Joe, Pastor Shannon, nice to see you guys. What a pleasant surprise. Uh hey, greet somebody in the name of the Lord, right? Come on, let's 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 shake a hand, let's give a hug, let's let's act like the church, yeah? Want to let anybody know if you're a, if you're a new visitor, if this is your first time visiting Life Church, please fill out a connect card. We have those in the back of the seats, and you can bring it to the welcome center after church, and you can get yourself a gift. We want to bless you and we want to honor you for being part of Life Church today. All right, Pastor Nick, time for some more testimonies. Yeah, y'all remember we had some testimonies about camp last week. I'm so excited about these.
2: Yeah, so to say I'm excited is an understatement. Um, first of all, anyone who doesn't know me, my name is Nick Helton. Uh, I'm the youth pastor here at Life Church, and um, yeah, yay! And uh, um, I'm a little, I'm kind of overwhelmed right now because God has done something. Uh, in our youth group at camp that I have never really uh experienced before uh, in a student's life and if I could ask Miss Ella to come with me <clears throat> Yeah, come on. So this young lady right here um came to youth a few weeks ago. She came only one Wednesday night and she sat in the back with a friend and uh after service was over, I went and sat with her, and I said, Ella, I said, what did you think? And she was like, <laughs> that's about what I got. I was like, okay. Well, the next Wednesday came, and uh, she didn't. She wasn't there, so I was like, man, I mean, I hope, you know, she didn't think we were crazy or something. And, uh, and then I get a call from Tiger saying that she was desired to go to camp. And I was like, what? I was like, okay, well, for sure, we could fit her in. So um, we got her to camp. And uh, it was very brave of her to come to jump into something like that at camp, never being really raised in church and uh, seeing the move of God that was, that she was about to see at camp. And so we get to camp and she's very, you know, Ella. <laughs> and uh, but uh, so we're there and the first night comes, and we 're worshiping, and she just kind of sat there and just kind of soaking it all in, and I knew what she was doing. I knew in her heart what she was doing. she was trying to to see this thing for herself, like I see it change in my dad's life, my mom's life, and others' lives. I want to know who God is for me if he's real really that's kind of where she was at and uh so we went through the first few nights, and uh just she just kind of sat there, and every night I would go talk to her and say, "Hey, Ella, you know if you have any questions or anything i said we're here for you to help you out to." try to, uh, you know, see everything. And she's like, no, I'm, I'm okay. I'm like, okay. Well, camp, <laughs> so camp, so actually we come to the last night of camp and I go and sit talk with her again. And she kind of just gives me the same answer. She's just kind of like, it was good. I asked how camp was. She said, it was good. I was like, okay. And that's really about all I got. Well, when we come home, Tiger, well, Jordan actually texts me and said, man, my baby girl found God at camp, and I was like, oh man, that's awesome, you know, well then Tiger called me, and Tiger says, bro, I gotta tell you what happened, he's like, Ella, dude, she went not believing in God, and then she went to camp, man, and now she believes in God, like she knows that he's real, and that he's for her, and so yeah, come on, <clears throat> that's awesome, and I'm super proud of Ella, I know she's not the one speaking, it's me, but just for her to come up to the front like this is a big deal for her, so let's uh, give her another hand clap. Before I pass the mic back to Pastor Tiger, uh, I wanted to uh, talk again about Micaiah's call, which is coming up on July 22nd and 23rd. Uh, we have a sign-up sheet out in the front for a prayer team and serve team. Uh, we've seen some of you have signed up out there. We could use as much help as we can to try to get this, uh, this conference off uh, And running like we did last year. Last year went so well with Miss Naomi, and this year we have uh, Miss Lynn who's going to be heading up the whole uh, conference. So, with that being said, if you guys could just take a moment, um, sign up if you're interested in being
1: a part of that. Thank you, Pastor Tiger. All right, just a, a couple of quick announcements. So next Sunday, right after service, we're going to have an interest meeting. You guys know that we're soon going to be launching life groups. So what this means about, if you have any questions about life groups, you want to know a little bit more about what's going on with them, uh, there's going to be food provided. So right after service, you guys, that, that little room where we pray at in the mornings before church, that's going to be the room we're going to have the meeting at. Uh, I'd encourage you, just come. If you don't understand, you've never been part of a life group and you have questions, just come, ask them. Uh, We'll have some leaders there that can fill you in on what's going on. And I got a pretty good idea. They might be able to pump you up to want to get plugged into them because life groups are amazing. They are. All right, we have the Ignite Conference. It's going to be 8, 19 through the 21st. Dr. Dennis, and I have no idea how to say his last name. I'm going to try it anyway. I'm going to butcher it sempuba Okay, S E M P E B W A you try So, so- Dr. Dennis is going to be here for that conference. Uh, we're Man, I'm so excited about this conference. Conferences are amazing when you bring other, because that's unity in the body of Christ, right? Jesus loves when there's unity happening, and Pastor Bob and Pastor Josh have decided to bring this man of God in, and we get to receive from the fruit of his ministry. So if you guys have your calendar open for uh, August 19th, 20th, and 21 man make make the uh the commitment come because I know if you come and you commit to that that god's going to honor that and he 's going to pour out on you and if you don't uh if you can't make all of them try to make one or two you know whatever you can you know i had a a buddy of mine used to say this he 'd go to church in the morning and then he'd go to the same church at evening and Sometimes it was the same man preaching, and he'd say this. He said, Well, God doesn't always do the same thing. He said he, he might say something in the morning, but he doesn't say it at night, and there's something totally different that God wants to do. So he had an expectation that every time the doors in the church were open, that God could do a work in his heart. And you know, those who hunger and thirst, right? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. The last announcement, really quick. Uh, we are a given church. Proverbs 3 9 says, Honor, honor the Lord with your wealth. Josh, with the first fruits of all your crops. So we have four ways you can give. We have the boxes in the back. We have the text to give. We have the website, which is my, I use the website. It's just most convenient for me. And we also have the Life Church app. I might want to download that. It's probably pretty easy, right? So we have the Life Church app. But listen, uh. You know God's faithful. You can't outgive God. It's a it's a biblical command, uh, giving and tithing and alms and all that stuff. It's good to know about it. It's good to be connected with God in your in your giving. You know if God can get a hold of the wallet, He has the whole man because you know love of money they say is the root of all evil. God can get that whole he, the whole man. He's got you or woman. All right, I think we have a video about to start. And after that, and Pastor Bob, you up next. <laughs> What a year 2021 has been. COVID, the economic chaos, racial tensions, progressivism all over the place, politics, apathy. It's, it's really crazy out there. The church, supposed to be the light of the world, also seems lost. I know, this, I know the modern church likes to forgive them
3: stuff. You want me to sit here and declare, in the name of Jesus, you are ventures, you are come, go. That,
1: we now have empirical evidence, ladies and gentlemen, that has made a weak church. There's a war out there. This is war. Many of us are still struggling with lockdowns, while others have permanently shut their doors. We're mostly surviving, unsure what to do. What is God saying to us?
3: Amen. I'm excited about Dr. Dennis coming. A good friend of mine called me. He said, He's coming through South Louisiana. He said we've had him several times um, up in Shreveport, and he said just the, he's a teacher, but he also moves in the prophetic gifts of God. And he said, man, you just never know what's going to happen when he comes. And but a very humble, down-to-earth man. He's preached in over 84 countries, and uh, has written over 20 books, and I don't know how many doctor degrees he has. It's but he's a humble man of the Lord. And so we're we're excited about that weekend. Be here on a Friday night at 7, Saturday night at 6, and then two times on Sunday, 10.30, our normal time, and then we'll have a 6 o'clock service on that Sunday. It's going to be a special weekend. Amen. And uh, Joe and Shannon, it's so good to see both of you. Pastor Joe and Shannon Cormier, that pastor over at First Assembly in Youngsville, dear friends of ours. And they slipped in. They said, we're not going to tell them we're coming. (laughs) And they snuck in. And and when I finally saw them, I said, I didn't get my hug. (laughs) uh, But we're so glad to have you this morning. And I want to just take a couple minutes. I know I'm going to get into the Word. But I want to take a couple minutes. We had about eight men Friday night and Saturday. They started about 5 o'clock. Friday night worked till midnight. Came in yesterday at 5. And work till 1 in the morning pressure washing the parking lot in the heat of the day Friday after work and they've got the large percentage of that done so that we can get striped the parking lot it needs to be done and I just want to say thank you to them for that incredible sacrifice and work yeah But I've been wanting to say this for several months, and I, I just kept putting it off until I finally decided to do it, and he wasn't here that day. and uh, But I want to thank Brother Edgar Gottschallan. Brother Edgar's quiet, and he doesn't say much or anything, but this man of God, for almost 16 years, has been cutting our property for zero charge. It's his ministry. In fact, he told me one time they were going on like a three or four-week trip to Thailand and all kinds of places. And he said, Pastor Bobby, he said, I hope I still have my my my, my job, my ministry when I come back. And I said, Don't worry, I don't think anybody wants it. <laughs> But he does, I'm telling you, every single week he's out here in his time and cutting the property. He keeps our our equipment working, and and um, there's so much I could say. But Brother Edgar, every time I hear that motor start up, my wife and I go, Brother Edgar's here. <laughs> Lord bless him and his family, and I thank you. Bible says honor those you know, that deserve it and I honor you for that. Thank you so much. Listen, when he first started doing it, we had three pieces pieces of John Deere yard tractors and he was constantly robbing parts from this one to that one to this one and after a few years we had enough money. I said, come on, I'm going down the in And we got him a zero turn. Can you imagine trying to cut this property on a John Deere yard mower that, you know, you had to go way out of the way. You, you couldn't just turn around, you know. And so it would take him a long time to cut it that way. It still takes a long time to cut it, especially in the spring when all the crawfish mounds come up and they turn into concrete, you know, by the time he gets here in a week. And uh, But, Brother Edgar, I just want to tell you how much that means to me. You are such a blessing. You really are. Thank you so much. Anyway, I'm going to cry if I don't get going. (laughs) We started last week like a three-week series on the Holy Spirit. And in fact, we looked last week at the person of the Holy Spirit, his purpose in the life of the non-believer and his purpose in the life of the Christ follower and one of the greatest tools the Holy Spirit makes available to every follower of Jesus Christ is the ability to pray in the Spirit now I remember many years ago I was pastoring up in North Louisiana and I kept talking on a Wednesday night about praying in the Spirit praying in the Spirit and finally one lady who had been attending the church for like 40 years she stands up and she goes What do you mean pray in the Spirit? I said, well, what do you think I mean? She says, I have no clue. And I said, are you serious? You've been coming here for 40 years and you don't know what it is to pray in the Spirit? And so I began to expound to her and she said, well, I did that one time like 35 years ago. And I was like, and nothing since then? She said, no. I said, well, you're in violation of biblical principles and you're robbing yourself. Or the devil's robbing you, one of the two. And she, she got all huffy and puffy about it. And, and I said, I'm going to teach you on the Holy Spirit tonight. And, and um, she said, well, I just don't believe that. And so how many of you remember last week I said, if you have a container with a lid on, nothing can go in until you take the lid off. So right now we got to say, Holy Spirit, I'm removing any preconceived notions or ideas, or thoughts, or uh, fears, or whatever, and I want you to pour into my life, and I want your word to pour into me and show me the truth. Okay, so we're talking about praying in the spirit, and it's and it's a gift that is available to those. Who receive it through the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And it's made manifest through the biblical gift of speaking in tongues, what the Bible calls speaking in tongues. Now, next week, I'm gonna teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we're gonna pray for those who have not received or want to receive, or maybe those who received 35 years ago and have just let that gift die or become dormant in their lives. We're gonna pray for you next week, or along that line. But I want to lay the groundwork so that you understand the importance of this, of this principle or this gift that God gives to the church. And that is to take this one aspect and talk about praying in the Spirit, okay? I'm going to use a lot of scripture today, so we're going to have it up on the, on the board for you. And it says, First Corinthians 14 begins with verse 10. It says, there are many different languages in the world and every language has meaning. But if I don't understand a language, I will be a foreigner to someone who speaks it and the one who speaks it a foreigner to me. I've been on many mission trips. I've preached in over 20-something different countries. And most of the time, I've had to, I've had to preach through a translator and because there's no way I could speak it. Now, I'll tell you a funny story. I used to lead AIM trips or mission trips for teenagers. And I took a whole group of teenagers one time down to Honduras. And we were there, and so the first night, they had me preaching, and uh, because I had some youth pastors with me, but they were nervous about being the first speaker, so I said, well, I'll, I'll speak the first night. And so I got up and spoke, and the missionary was my interpreter. And so I preached a message, and he interpreted, and we had an altar call, and we did ministry, and afterwards, his preacher's daughter comes up to me. Pastor's daughter comes up to me and goes, Pastor Bob. I didn't know you were so fluent in Spanish. And I said, huh? They said, I didn't, where did you learn Spanish like that? I said, I don't know Spanish. She said, you interpreted the guy all night long. And I said, young lady, stop and think. It went right over her head. She says, but you're so good. Why would you hide that gift? It was later on that night, all of a sudden, some of you are looking at me like you hadn't caught it yet either. I was preaching in English. The interp- missionary was interpreting. She thought he was preaching, and I was interpreting for our group. true story. You can't make that up. (laughs) But that's, look what Paul says. He says, if I don't understand a language, then I'm a foreigner to someone who speaks it, and the one who speaks it is a foreigner to me. But he goes, for if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. He goes on, well, then what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit, and I will also pray in words I understand. I will sing in the spirit, and I will sing in words I understand. The apostle Paul clearly states that he's referring to two types of praying. He's talking about praying with understanding, or in other words, praying in languages that I understand the meaning of the words and then praying in the Spirit. He said, I'll pray in the Spirit, and I'll pray with the understanding, I'll sing in the Spirit, and I'll sing with the understanding. And I'm telling you, singing in the Spirit, when, when it comes corporately and it comes moving in and the body of Christ begins to sing in the Spirit, man, I'm telling you, it's heaven on earth it really is and so uh, you say well what is the difference between praying with the understanding and praying in the spirit okay Praying with the understanding, and this is pretty self-explanatory, it really is, that he refers to praying in the language that one understands, okay? Uh, Praying in a way that engages the thought process of the mind. We're praying in words that we understand, we're praying with a focus that is in mind, we're praying as we feel led of the Holy Spirit to pray, and this is a valid way to pray, and the Bible commands us in numerous ways. Look at all these scriptures, and this, this isn't even all of them. In Matthew 5 and 4, pray for those who persecute you. Uh, Matthew 6 and 5, and when you pray, verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Romans 12 and 12, be joyful in hope and patient of affliction Affliction, faithful in prayer. Philippians 4 and 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. Uh, present your request to God. Colossians 4 and 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. This is one of the reasons that in the last year and a half or so, we've completely changed our, our focus and made prayer a major f- focus and premise for our church. Because listen, Without prayer, you can accomplish virtually nothing. Prayer is what moves heaven. and moves heaven on earth. I'm just telling you. And so that's why we've incorporated prayer into our Sunday morning service. Because in most churches, people don't see anybody pray but the preacher. Or a deacon or an elder or somebody like that. And, and uh, we, we have... So we have prayer. And then Wednesday night, we started with Wednesday night, made that a prayer meeting night with some teaching and some worship. But it was prayer was the focus. Then we moved it to incorporating it into our Sunday morning service. And then and now we have a prayer group that meets on Sundays across the hall before service, and they're praying. And there are times that we're corporately fasting and praying. Now I was just told this morning that a group's going to begin to come down here on Tuesdays, beginning to pray and intercede for the church. I'm just for what God wants to do prayer is a key I mean prayer is a focus and there's and there's all kinds of purposes and for our praying in our understanding and you say well if that's the case why do we need to pray in the spirit well the Bible talks about praying in the spirit first Corinthians 14 and 15 Paul the Apostle says I will pray in the spirit and I will also pray in words that I understand So what is the hallmark of this kind of praying? It is praying in the language of the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks and and declares to us as speaking in tongues. Now, my wife was brought up in a church where they were told speaking in tongues is of the devil. And she regularly heard sermons about it being of the devil. And I remember when we were dating, I went to visit her church with her. And I was getting ready for him to preach on tongues, being of the devil. But he preached against the, the evil of bubblegum. He really did. And I was bummed out, man. I was like, I don't know nothing about bubblegum. I was going to have an argument about speaking in tongues. And so the next week, he preached against the devil. Speaking in tongues. I mean, they, they just say that's of the devil. And I'm like, you know, I served the devil for a lot of years, and he never once let me speak in tongues. He let me do all his other stuff, but he never let me do that. Come on now. You know, I mean, really? So what, what is this, you know? So it is praying in the language of the Holy Spirit. That's what speaking in tongues means. So what does it mean to speak in tongues? So let's go back to where we first saw it. In Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And notice I've underlined this part. And they began to speak in other tongues, and I put in parentheses, languages, as the Spirit enabled them. Now... We see this on the day of Pentecost. It was a holy day in Jerusalem. It was a divine appointment. It was the day that the church actually came into existence. Jesus told the disciples, I'm leaving, but when I leave, it's so that another comforter can come. Wait in Jerusalem until he comes, and you will be clothed with power. That's what he says. And it says, but notice it states here, it says, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. So by speaking in tongues, the person is, is being enabled by the Spirit of God. And in its simplest form, praying in the Spirit is vocalizing words given by the Holy Spirit that are unknown by the speaker. It's that simple. It's verbalizing, speaking out words that do not make any sense to you, but they are words of the Spirit that are given by the Spirit and being vocalized with your voice, your mouth, and your tongue. I've seen this miraculous gift all over the world, and on two different occasions, on two different continents, when we prayed with people to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I saw two individuals, with my, I witnessed with my own ears and eyes, okay? And they began to speak in perfect English, worshiping God. I remember the first time I went to the missionary and I said, Does that woman know English? He said she couldn't spell English if she wanted to. I said, Are you sure? He said, I'm positive. He said, She doesn't know any English. I said, Come listen. I said, for five minutes she's been crying with her hands lifted, and she's praying, she's saying, Jesus, I love you. There's no one like you. You're such an awesome. I mean, she's she's just in beautiful English, praising the works of God. And on the day of Pentecost, it says the people heard them. He says, We hear them in our own tongue, our own language, and they are proclaiming the wonderful works of God. And that's what that woman was doing. And like 30 minutes later, she quit crying. I mean, she was still crying, but it was joy. And 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 afterwards I said, Go get her. And the missionary goes and gets her and brings her over. And I began to speak to her. I said, tell me how much English you understand. And she just looked at me. And I said, tell me, English. Why do we think that people are deaf, you know, when we don't understand the language, you know? English. She just looked at me like a cow looking at a new gate, you know? And so the missionary turned and asked her, and she and said, I don't know any English. So we told her at that point, for the last 30 minutes, you've been speaking English and praising God. We've been listening to you, and we know what you are saying. Well, it was known to us, but it was unknown to her. And I saw this happen over in in Asia, in Vietnam, and in the underground church. We prayed with people, and a guy began to speak in perfect English. I said, oh, he, he must have had... You know, family that were part of the military when Vietnam when the US was over here. He knew no English whatsoever, but he too was lifting up praise to Jesus. And that's that's biblical. And that's why Paul says in First Corinthians 14 and 14: For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I am saying. Okay? Now, I had to go dig this out of my archives. It's not the best video in the world. But several years ago, ABC, um, I forgot what it was called. At dawn, it was at nighttime, like 2020, I think it was called. They did a study on religion around the, in the United States. And one of the things that they did was they, they looked at the phenomenon of what is known in technical terms as glossolalia or speaking in tongues. And so I took that video offline. It was not a good video. It's not great great quality, but I went and found it. And I, I edited it down to just a couple of minutes. And I want you to see something, because look what it says. For if I pray in tongues, in other words, if I pray in a language I don't understand, it's not me praying. It's, in other words, it's not me concentrating and focusing, but it's me simply speaking The words that the spirit gives me and I'm speaking them out, okay? So for the first time, science itself proved that what the Bible says is true. And I want you to watch this.
4: The latest science on the connection between faith and the brain. University of Pennsylvania neuroscientist Dr. Andrew Newberg is author of Why We Believe What We Believe. He's one of the founders of a field called neurotheology. Newberg analyzes brain scans of his subjects as they undergo what they describe as mystical experiences. He first looked at devout Buddhists, comparing their brain activity before and then during deep meditation. So how does intense meditation light up the brain?
3: When our Buddhist meditators were were focusing on this visual sacred object, a couple of things happened in their brain. One is is that they activated their frontal lobe. Uh, The frontal lobe right behind the forehead is what helps us to focus our attention on whatever we're doing
4: scientists would expect the frontal lobe to light up because of the intense focus the centuries-old practice of speaking in tongues is thought by its practitioners to be god's spirit taking over human speech donna morgan is a devout pentecostal christian who's been speaking in tongues for many years donna agreed to let dr newberg scan her brain donna's frontal lobe does not light up like the meditators or nuns remarkably it goes dark in other words she doesn't seem to be at all focused or even controlling her own unusual speech could this validate her claim that at that moment god is actually taking control of that part of her brain and speaking through her
3: they're not focusing their attention in fact if anything their attention kind of goes out the window because they feel like they're being taken over by something else, in, the, in this case by the Spirit of God.
4: At that moment I know that I'm in the presence of God and that the Holy Ghost is making intercession for me.
3: Now I want to make a couple clarifications from what the um, person doing the interview said. Uh, contrary to what the reporter said, God does not take over your vocal cords, and God does not cause you or make you speak, okay? But they, they're trying to figure it out as they can. In fact, if you'd seen the whole interview, they not only did um, Buddhist monks, they did Catholic nuns praying the rosary. And their frontal cor- uh, part of their brain lit up while they were praying because they're focusing on the words that they're saying. But they also had another pastor that did it, uh, a spirit filled pastor and as he prayed in tongues, the very same thing happened at this lady. His frontal part of his brain actually just goes silent, and yet he's speaking and and all they could say is it it." it Seems to be as they say, it's not them. In other words, I'm not thinking the words. I'm not forming them because I don't even know what I'm praying. And Paul said, I don't know what I'm praying, but my spirit is praying, okay? And so science has actually proved that what the Bible says about this is true, okay? The scripturally clearly states that they began to speak in other tongues as the spirit-enabled. Okay? For example, when a child begins to make sounds and we say we do things like say dada. No, you said say mama. In my house it was dada and she, my wife it was mama. And I remember we were living in a townhouse in Tuscaloosa, Alabama where I worked for Waffle House at the time and my son was how old baby? A little, a little over 6 7 months, 8 months. We put barricades on the stairs. He climbed over them. We're lying in our bed up upstairs. And all of a sudden, at the top of the stairwell, we hear a voice. Dada, dada. I'm like, he said, dada. She's going, he's on the stairs. <laughs> and I said, but he said, dada. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, in other words, I was trying to enable my son to say that sound. You follow what I'm saying? But I couldn't make him. I, I, you know, I could beg him. I could, please say it. I give you ice cream. I give you anything. Please say that first. Please, please, please. You know, I was trying to enable him to speak, but he had to do the speaking, right? The Holy Spirit gives us the words. He's enabling us. He's urging us. He's, he's, he's wooing us to speak, but it's going to be up to us because it says they began to speak as the Spirit of God gave them the words, gave them the sound, the utterances, okay? So what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? He gives the word. What's the purpose of praying in tongues? First of all, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us according to the will of God. If there was no other reason, that would be the one I want. Okay? Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, uh, verse 26 to 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. How many of you have ever gone to pray, but you don't know how to pray about a situation? Come on. The older I get, the more I pray in tongues. When I was young, I thought I knew all the answers. The older I got, I found out God knows. I don't. But when I pray in the Spirit for a period of time, even it may be a few moments, it may be a while, all of a sudden a thought will come into my mind of how to pray in the understanding, in my English And I'll go to praying in that way for that situation. And when I'm done, I go back to praying in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because we do not know how we should pray. But the Spirit himself, remember, I told you it's not a knit. He's a person. The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And then he goes on and says this, and he who searches the hearts, who searches the hearts? It's not us. The psalmist said, Lord, search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. God searches the heart. He says, he knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance to God's will. Listen, God has a will concerning our lives. Each and every one of us are unique, whatever that will is. I've heard people teach years ago, they used to teach, well, God has a perfect will and a permissive will. That was just an excuse because, so you could go do wrong. God has one will, and he wants us to walk in it. Now, I make mistakes, and I've been out of the the perfect will of God, but he loves me enough that he'll discipline me and bring me back on track. Come on now. But this says that he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for us. How does he intercede? He gives us words that we might speak. So that we can pray in accordance to God's will, and God's will is perfect. You want what's perfect in your life? Pray in the Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you, it's it's an incredible weapon. And several weeks ago, I told Pastor Josh, I said, "You know what? We, we we've lost our footing. So many of our churches that we we've we've built ourselves upon the the." Person of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit But we become like everybody else talking about everything else and one of the most vital crucial Gifts that God has given his people is the ability to pray in the Spirit But we just let it go. It's like a byproduct. We just assume everybody knows about it, but it's not so And we got to get back to that because, man, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us according to God's will. The word intercedes means to intervene on the behalf of another. How powerful is that? When you do not know how to pray, the Spirit of God inside you gives you words and enables you to begin to speak words to the Father on your behalf. He's intervening on your behalf. That's what Holy Spirit is doing. The scripture teaches us that the Spirit prays through us when we don't know how to pray. And he gives us these words that, if you could put it this way, it's customized individual prayers for our situation in our lives at that moment. And he always prays according to the will of the Father. That's so powerful. The second reason uh, for praying in the Spirit is it edifies the believer. One way to spiritually build yourself up is to read the Word of God. In fact, this, this really should be I don't know if you saw this past week. A new study has come out. And it said only 20% of people in America today, 20% including Christians, people who call themselves Christians, believe the Bible to be the word of God. One out of five. So I'm thinking most of the people sitting in a church on a Sunday morning don't even believe in this book. The enemy is winning that war. Why do you think he wants you out of this book? Because this book is a light unto your path. It shows you direction. It gives you power. It enables you to function in the capacity that you're supposed to function. It's the word of God. So one of the ways you build yourself up, Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When I was a youth pastor every year, when I was a youth pastor, that was a long time ago, <laughs> we'd do a fundraiser every year, and it was a Bible-reading marathon. And you'd think, that sounds boring. Well, we had games and things like that, but we would put them in teams of two through in a 12-hour period of time after the games, after eating, whatever, and they would, read, they would take turns. I'd have them in twos reading to one another out of the Bible. And we started in the Gospels and we started Matthew and just go right on through and so some were faster readers some were slower readers and I said you can work it out any way you want you can say I'll read one page you read the next page you read one chapter I read didn't matter I said why'd you put them in twos because if you sit in there reading to yourself. How many of you know you'll just kind of drift off into la la -la land and your thoughts go elsewhere, whatever, okay? But when you're reading out loud, guess what happens? Your tongue is connected to this brain right here. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so those kids would go back and forth. They would alternate between the two of them, back and forth, and I'd have 60, 70, 80 kids there that night, and and... And, and I will never forget on a Sunday morning, a parent came to me. I had one. I had one. I had a few kids that were troublemakers, and this one boy I never forget. He was a good kid, but he always seemed to be in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing at the wrong time. But he was there that night, and uh, his parents came to me on Sunday morning. He said, "What did you do to John?" I remembered his name was John because my young my brother 13 months younger than me his name is john and i just remember that i don't know why i don't remember why i walked in the room yesterday you know (laughs) but i remember that they said what'd you do to john i said "Honest, i didn't touch him they said no said when he came home he locked himself in his room and we thought something was wrong and he said just leave me alone and they, they thought they was tired And every time they'd walk by, you okay? I'm fine. Leave me alone. He was still reading his Bible. And they came to me and said, they didn't get all the way through the whole New Testament. And he came home said, he tried to close his eyes and take a nap, but all he could hear was those words going over and over and over in his mind. And he thought, I need to get to the end to find out how it ends. He stayed up all night, that night till early that morning till he finished the book of Revelation and he goes, we win. <laughs> and he went from being the biggest troublemaker, every week he was dragging kids from, from school into the youth meetings. He became an evangelist. I'm just telling you. The Word of God did that. So the Word of God is a way to build up your spirit. But the the Apostle Paul also says, he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. Now the word edify means to build, construct, organize, or establish. So build something, construct something, organize what's already there. Or establish something that's already there. Make it stronger, okay? He says he, he speaks in the tongue, edifies himself. How many of you here today would admit that there's an area in your spiritual lives that you could stand to have, be built up, organized, or established? Come on. All of us could raise our hands on that. The book of Jude only has one chapter, so I won't say chapter 1, verse 20. It's just Jude 20. I love it when people don't know that, and they go, Jude 20. Pastor, I only got one chapter in mind. Where's chapter 20? No, it's Jude 20, you know, but I'll put 120 just, but look what it says, Jude 20. But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So Paul says... And Jude tells us that praying in the Spirit builds ourselves up in Christ. It's like an athlete who goes to the weight room and they're working out and they're, they're building stamina and they're building endurance and, and every Christian needs to build themselves up in the Spirit. When my wife and I first got married, we ended up working for a ministry called Campus Challenge. It was run by a guy named Norval Hayes. He was a businessman but a big teacher in the charismatic move. And, and we worked college campuses all over the United States. And uh, we had a little 20-foot Winnebago that we, we lived in. And we'd work the whole West Coast. We'd go to like 30-something states every year, twice a year. And my wife and I would work the fraternities and sororities on college campuses. And, and we were told by our boss, Brother Normal, he said, do not leave the house. Do not leave your trailer, your motorhome, wherever you're staying without praying at least 30 minutes in the spirit. Don't do it. He said, I can't tell you. All I can do is admonish you. He said, I can't can't know if you're doing it or not. He said, but you will see a difference. So we made it a rule. My wife and I, she'd go to one end of the Winnebago. I'd go to the other, which wasn't very far because it was only 20 foot long. And and we pray in the spirit for at least 30 minutes. And and God would just do miraculous things for us. I remember a couple times we were rushed and we didn't take the 30 minutes. And I could tell you stories of things that went wrong in every way, and and or my attitudes are wrong, or probably more my attitude than hers, because she's a saint. Hey, August would be 48 years she stuck with me. That sainthood right there, right? But it's true. I'm just telling you. Praying in the spirit prepares you. It like equips you. It, it it just gets you ready to go out the door. I had a guy one time say, Well, I don't need to pray in tongues to go to heaven. I said, Dude, I need to pray in tongues to go to Walmart. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, are you serious in this day and age? I need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in my life. It is vital to our spiritual development. The third thing is praying in the Spirit is a spiritual hotline to God. Now, Many of you are too young to know this, but in years past, I don't know if it's still that way, but years ago, they used to talk about the, the hotline, the red phone that sat on the president's desk or nearby, and there was no dials on it or anything. You picked it up, and it went straight to the Pentagon, to the, to the top dog wherever or at NORAD or whoever, and, and, and it was like you picked whoever picked it up knew that the president was picking up on the other end. It was a direct line. And I remember when I was taught this as a young teenager, when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they said, this is a spiritual hotline. It's like the red phone to the throne of God. And I said, well, where's that in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 14 and 2 says, For one speaking in tongue does not speak to people but to God. For no one understands, for he is speaking mysteries by the Spirit. Now, mysteries is not like a, you know, Hallmark mystery or something like that, you know, because at the end you find out who done it (laughs) or did it or whatever, you know. But he's saying there, the mysteries is they are speaking unknown things by the Spirit. He says he's not speaking to people, he's speaking to God. Praying in the Spirit is a direct connection to God. I mean, how much more powerful is that? Now, there are those who have arguments why this is no longer viable for this day, and I'm just going to quickly go over those. And first of all, there are always those that scoff at Bible teachings, and, but there are those who scoff at praying in the Spirit or speaking in tongues. But we just watched a video that scientifically proved that the person who's speaking in tongues is not speaking from this part of the brain, but the words are coming from someplace else. It's bypassing that part of the brain. And I've done this with people. I say, if you don't believe that, I want you to count to ten slowly and somewhere in the middle say your name without thinking about it. You can't. I know some of you are thinking it right now. You're one, two, three... <laughs> I could see it because you're like, you just lost me. You're just like zoning out. Because <laughs> your brain is tied to your tongue. You know, I don't know. My mama used to say, won't you think before you speak? I thought, well, my brain's not tied to my tongue. I don't know. <laughs> you know, but I, didn't, I, I knew what I was saying. It was a matter of controlling what I said. But he's saying here, he says, for the person who speaks in tongues speaks mysteries to God. So there are people who say it's passed away. But science has just proven here was a person speaking. And if you saw the whole thing, there were, it was two different people. And the same action happened at the brain front part where you, it goes that lights up when we're focusing and talking and speaking. It, it grew dim. But if science isn't enough, let's go to the Bible. For people say, it's passed away. It's a gift that's not here anymore. And they'll use 1 Corinthians 13. And it says this, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. And many people teach that this passage means that all these spiritual gifts of prophecies and tongues and word of knowledge and all that has been done away with because they'll say that which is perfect, the Bible, is now in existence. Therefore, those gifts are no longer here. Okay? And they teach that which is perfect is the scriptures. So they're basically saying that the charismas or the grace gifts or the charismatas of the Bible are done away with. And I always go, really? Okay, well, let's look at another verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. That the gifts of the Holy Spirit include the five-fold ministry. It's the same word that is used of the gifts of the word of knowledge. The same Greek word. Same wording there. He says the words that they say mean that the gifts are done away with. Paul says God gave these gifts to the church too. They're five different gifts. They're, they operate differently. And I want to ask you something. Has the church reached a point where we're all grown in the faith? No. Are we all united in Christ? No. But can I tell you, God's doing something there. We prayed this morning about that. And I wanted to say this in the beginning and got away from it, but God just reminded me of it. I just listened to an interview the other day of Mario Morillo. And he went to West upstate west part of New York near Syracuse area. And they had a meeting of pastors for a huge tent meeting that's coming up in a couple months, okay? Out of 502 pastors, 500 showed up for the meeting. And the two that missed, one was out of town speaking at a conference that they were pre-committed to, and the other was doing a funeral. 500 pastors, every pastor of every church in that area was together in that room ready to see a move of God. I want to tell you something. The devil's overplayed his hand. And he's made people so miserable. Guess what? People are looking for hope. And they're looking for an answer. And they're looking for truth. And the move of God that's already started is the answer to this world. And God is about to reap a harvest of souls into his kingdom. Because the devil thought he was smart. But God just let him play it out. Anytime you can get 500 Every pastor of every church, of every denomination in a town together, in an area together, something's up. I said something's up. But the body of Christ, we're not all united in Christ. We still need evangelists. We still need pastors. We still need teachers. Another argument that people use is that the gift of tongues is the least gift, so it's not so important. The Bible says, and they look to the scripture that tells us, desire the greater gifts. Desire them. And they go, well, tongues is last on all the nine gifts. He says, so therefore, I shouldn't desire the least gift. I should desire the greater gifts. And they're referring to the list that's found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. But these gifts are specific gifts that operate within the body of Christ for specific purposes. They're corporate gifts given to the corporate body of Christ, okay? And the gift of tongues that's mentioned there is a different operation of speaking in tongues of the Holy Spirit in our lives, okay? Totally different purpose, totally different meaning, but people just read it and think it's the same. But if, let's just play the if game. If... They wanted to pursue the fact that tongues is last in line. It's the least gift. The Bible tells me to seek for the greater gift. Then I got a problem for you because it's found in 1 Corinthians 13 and 13. And it says, now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Oh, wait a minute. It's at the end of the list. How can it be the greatest? It must be the least. But no, what was 1 Corinthians 13 about? I can prophesy, I can do all these things, but if I have not, what love? So the idea that it comes at the end doesn't make it spiritually, like, unacceptable. I mean, when God makes a list for us, there has to be a first and there has to be an end. Why should we think that the end is, is lesser than the first? Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 14 and 18, he says, I thank my God I speak in in tongues more than all of you put together. Paul saw the need for praying in the Spirit. Do we have any less a need to do so? The Holy Spirit prompts us to speak and impresses the words and syllables of another language upon our thoughts. And we take those words and those sounds with our own will and by faith we put them on our tongue and our lips and we begin to speak them out. I'm just telling you my personal walk as a teenager when I came to Christ and I heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It was in the early part of the charismatic move and I was I was so hungry for this gift but I I couldn't I I I no matter how hard I tried I couldn't receive. I won't bore you with the stories I went through that people put me through the things they told me. I mean people tell you stuff they just say do this or do this or do this cuz somebody told them that. Doesn't make it necessarily biblical or sound or whatever. But I was so hungry for it, but I didn't understand it because I thought somehow God was going to come and take over my mouth and and, and my voice box and he was somehow going to speak through me and I just kept waiting for him to do that. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit never coerces himself on you? He never takes over you like in that manner when the only spirit that does that is an evil spirit and we cast those out. I'm just telling you. He gives you the words, but you have to do the speaking. So many people say, that just sounds too simple. God's not complicated, He's dealing with us. He's got to make it simple. Come on now. I mean, and they pass up what God wants to give, thinking that it's not necessary. I may seem like anything but a language, but you can be sure that it's un- its not unintelligible to God. I tell people all the time when we pray. I said, "I don't make. I don't want. I don't want atmosphere. I don't want you know whatever. You know, like you got to have the lights down. You got to have all this. No. no, you don't. You just ask and receive, and God gives." How much more, he said, if your earthly father loves you and is willing to give you what you need, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? Acts 2 and 39, Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And for this promise is for you and your children and for those who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You simply ask and receive and yield to the Holy Spirit. You know, I thought, Pastor Josh, about praying for people this morning but I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit, whet their appetites. Let them take this and understand its purpose, and they'll be hungry next week. Let me tell you a story, and I'll close with this. When I was in Bible college in Pensacola, John Osteen, not Joel. Daddy John. If you ever heard John preach, somehow he was always going to end up on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm just telling you. We we met the man, knew him. We had an incredible opportunity for two years. My wife and I, when we worked with Brother Norval Hayes to... Just see firsthand. But John Osteen came to my Bible college for a week of meetings. And you thought every night he'd preach on something else. But I don't care what his topic was. It ended up on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And now we're talking back like in 1972, 73, there were not megachurches. You know, mega church might have been 200, 250. But our church ran a 1,000 because it was tied to the Bible school that was starting. And we had teachers from all over the area that were coming. This was in the early days of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the charismatic renewal. But John Osteen came and he preached Sunday night, through like Friday night and every night he'd give an alt call and he could talk faster than you can listen if you don't believe me go find him online I'm telling you on YouTube he, there's some sermons of his online Whew, fire man come out of that man but he he he'd give it, he said you want the Holy Ghost come up here right now we're going to go down the line, make a line right across here. He said, I'm going to go down the line, I'm going to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus, let the power of God hit you. Bum, 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 bum. I mean, and, and people came running to the front. And I watched this from the back because I didn't go up because I was already baptized in the Holy Ghost. That's what he was praying for. He was going down the line, boom, boom, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Jesus' name. And he got to a man and he stopped. And he looked at me and he said, What are you up here for? He said, Well, that's my wife you just prayed for, so I figured if she's coming up here, I'll come up here. He said, Go sit down. He said, You're not hungry. Go sit down. He made the man go sit down. As soon as he turned around and started walking off, he's like looking at his wife. like He said, Go sit down. You're not hungry. And then he went down the line. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive the Holy Ghost. All the way down the line. People were getting hit with the power of God. I said, I had never seen a preacher tell somebody to go sit down. I've heard them yell to demons, be quiet. The next night, he gave an altar call. Those of you who want to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, get up here. Big line of people because more people came every night. He started down the line. He said, name of Jesus, power of God, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, baptism of the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. He got partway down the line. I said, that's that same guy. He got to him and he stopped. He goes, what are you up here for now? (laughs) He said, well, you told me to go sit down last night, so I thought maybe tonight was my night. He said, nope, go sit down. You ain't hungry. Go sit down. Power God, power God, Jesus name, Jesus name, like that. He did that every single night. And every single night that man would get in the line in a different place, Brother Josh. And he'd be going down the line. He'd say, You again. What you here for? He said, Well man, he said, I've come twice, you know. Go sit down. He made the man go sit down. It's the last night. He's leaving in the morning. The last night, he gives, he gives an alt to call, and there's people running forward. But that guy, he's making a beeline down the center aisle, and he's pushing people out of the way. Get out of the way! Get out of my way! Get out of my way! He got up on the front, stood in the center, and he dug in. Like, I ain't going nowhere. He come down the line, Brother John come down. And they're like, oh, power of the Holy Ghost, power of the Holy Ghost, power of the Holy Ghost. He said, why are you here this time? He said, you ain't sending me back. He said, for a week I've watched what's been on my wife. I've seen the change on her. And I'm not leaving till I get what she's got. He said, you hungry now. That's why he said it, you hungry. I learned when I moved to Alabama, there's a difference between hungry and hungry. Hungry is like two levels past hungry. That's the first lesson I learned when I moved from California to Alabama. I worked for a guy who did remodeling. He said, well, I'm hungry. I said, yeah, I'm hungry too. He goes, well, you ain't stopping for lunch. I'm going to eat. I said, what do you mean? He said, you, you, we only break when you're hungry. I said, what does hungry mean? He told me, he said, two or three steps past hungry. I said, dude, I'm past hungry. Let's go. And that man said, I ain't leaving. And he had tears rolling down his face. He's sending me back this time. I've watched something on my wife all week long. And I've seen joy and peace. And he said, and I'm not leaving till I get what she got. He said, oh, it's your night. He said, Father, and he went to touch him. Wham, hit the floor speaking in tongues. I said, Lord, why you did that? Why you sent that poor man back five times like that? He said, "Because they got to be hungry." Bible says, "Those that hunger and thirst shall be filled." Some people just they say, "Well, I guess, guess I'll take it. I Guess it's for me." You know, I see what the Bible says, and I just feel like the Holy Spirit said, "You need to go back and spend some time with Him." And you need to tell Holy Spirit, I'm hungry to receive. I want to receive. And I'm going to tell you something. Some of you are going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues this week before you get back here next Sunday. <laughs> because by the middle of the week, you're like, Oh, Jesus, I don't know how to pray about this. And you're like, Lord Jesus, if I, oh, if I, and all of a sudden, here comes the Holy Spirit and he he puts these words into your mind and, and you're willing to speak them out and all of a sudden that language just begins to flow. There's no working, there's no hardship, it's beautiful. Can I tell you, everything Holy Spirit does beautiful how many of you say Pastor Bob I want all God has for me I want to pray in the spirit I want to be filled with the spirit to where I pray on a daily basis and can I tell you you can pray anywhere, anytime. I pray in the car all the time. You have to pray in the Holy Ghost to drive in Lafayette. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I pray in the Holy Ghost the minute I get in the car I almost in Everly, just, I just start praying in the Holy Ghost it's a good time to pray in the Holy people say you ought to keep your eyes on the road I got my eyes on the road and I'm concentrating on driving but the Holy Ghost is giving me words and I'm speaking them out inside the car he said but there's no music Brother Justin ain't there to play the guitar you know I don't need Brother Justin to play the guitar to pray in the Holy Ghost how many of you say, Pastor Bob, I want all that God has for me and I want to pray in the Holy Spirit. Some of you were baptized in the Spirit a long time ago, but you've let that gift become dormant and you want God to refurbish that, re, re, re-emphasize it, re, re-energize it in your life. How many of you? I just want to know who I'm praying for this week. Let me see your hands. Come on, raise your hands. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Man, that's great. Awesome. Just you stand together? Let's pray right now. Say, I don't want to be God. I don't want to be like that man who just came because Pastor Bob gave an altar call. In fact, when he gives that altar call, if you don't do it this week, and I'm expecting something, but if it doesn't happen this week, and Sunday, my day, don't let nobody get in my way, Lord. Jesus I'm getting up to, I'm getting what the Holy Spirit wants from me I'm just telling you Ooh, I feel I feel him even now I feel him even now I feel him even now Holy Spirit we invite you in this place Lord Holy Spirit you know our hearts you know the father who searches our hearts You know the mind of the Father. You know his purpose for our lives. And I saw maybe two dozen hands that went up in this plate, And they they want to pray in the Holy Ghost. They want to receive. God, let this word this week seep down into their spirit in the back of their mind all this week. Holy Spirit I pray that you bring it to the front of their thinking. The front of their focus. That God you have something more. You got something more that's so immeasurable and so powerful. It's a direct line to the throne of God and the spirit of God praise according to your will. Lord I need your will in my life. I need your will in my children. I need your will in my job and in my business. I need your will and I need you to be able to help me pray in that regard, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray you create such a spiritual dryness, hunger inside. Wet their appetites, Lord God. Let there be a sense of anticipation great expectation God this week there will be those who will wake up in the middle of the night they'll be dreaming that they're praying in tongues and wake up and find themselves speaking in tongues hallelujah God and when they do When they begin to pray, let the spigot come wide open. God, release it. Let the Holy Spirit flow, and let it flow, and let it flow, and let it flow. For out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, Jesus said. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of the Spirit of God. God, we're in trying times. We're in difficult times, and we need to hear your voice. We need to know how to pray, for the enemy is at the gate. But, Father, you said where the Spirit of the Lord is. You will lift up a standard against it. The Spirit of the Lord is that standard, God. Fill us to overflowing. God, you saw the hands that were raised pray for filling of the spirit, even beginning this day. It's coming. It's like a wave. It's coming. Mighty, mighty God. Mighty, mighty God. Mighty, mighty God. Can I tell you I I it right now, there's some of you, you're battling a constant battle of being anxious. Who are you? Where are you at? There's an anxiousness inside of you about everything. It seemed like just, where are you? There's one. Who else? Who, where else? There's another one. Come on, there's more. I know there is. There is. Thank you. There's another one. Who else? i am just said there's a sense of anxiousness inside of you. And as we were praying, and I began to pray in the Spirit, the Lord showed me that. He said, tell them that when they begin to pray in the Holy Ghost, when they pray in the Spirit, it'll be just like me when I stood up on the edge of the boat and told the winds and the waves, be still. He said, the enemy is causing this this roaring around your life and you need a center point and the center point is praying in the spirit of God. The word of God is too. It's not a replacement for the word but you need the two working together, the word and the spirit. They bring life. They bring life and when anxiousness comes and panic comes and fear comes you immediately begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I want you to see that in your, in your spirit. I want you to see it. The wind and the waves, they ceased immediately. And the disciples said, what manner of man is this? That the wind and the waves listened to him. The anxiousness and trepidation, all of that is not of God. It's the enemy at work. And so what do we do? Our weapons are not natural, the Bible says. They are spiritual. They are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. You've got to work with spiritual weapons, spiritual weapons to fight spiritual battles. And the praying in the Holy Ghost is a powerful, powerful weapon. I'm convinced I would not be where I am today. I would not even be doing this today if it wasn't for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you, I know. And there's some of you here today, you maybe have never even surrendered your life to Christ. This gift of the baptism and the Spirit and praying in the Spirit is for those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus. I know almost everybody in here, but there may be someone that I, I don't know. Have you surrendered your whole life to Jesus? Have you surrendered your whole life? Have you asked him to come inside and forgive you? You say, nobody can forgive me for what I've done. Nobody can. Jesus can. I said, Jesus can't. And if you'd say, Pastor Bob, would you pray for me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. Would you wave your hand at me so I know who you are? Just wave it so I can know. If, if, if everybody's here with right with God, that's okay. If you're watching by way of the internet right now, God knows where you're at. And you need to simply say right where you're at right now, Jesus, I surrender everything in my life to you. I surrender my life to you. Come and be the director, the Lord of my life forgive me of my sin from this day forward I will follow you and Jesus does it let's just take a moment and just praise the Lord come on church let's praise him for his goodness praise him for his mighty acts praise him for his glorious purposes for our life come on those of you who filled with the spirit pr- begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right now just begin to praise him come on praise him Jesus we love you Holy Ghost Holy Ghost Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Jesus, Jesus. I had a prayer request right before church for a young boy that's been in the hospital, was diagnosed with leukemia. Things have gotten worse, and they put him on a ventilator. His first name is Bren. And then I got a note from Deborah Vigier that changed her chemo. And she's been very sick and asked for prayer. Can we just go together to the Lord right now for Bryn and this little boy Bryn and for Deborah right now. Father, you said if anything should be brought before you and any two or three would agree that it would be done. And so, Father, we just pray for healing for both of their lives right now. We come against this leukemia, and we come against this other cancer in the name of Jesus. Lord, your word says every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Every name shall bow before the name of Jesus. We pray right now that the power of God, God, let there be angelic intervention In those hospital rooms and in that hot place of right now. God, let your healing power flow. Reverse the action of these cancers. Eliminate it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, we go out into this world as we leave this place and we go out with a purpose and a mission to tell the name of Jesus and to declare his wondrous acts. Let us go with holy boldness and let us have ears to hear as the Spirit leads and directs. When he says stop, we stop. When he says, turn, we turn. When he says, speak, we speak. And we do it without fear. Knowing that God, you would lead and guide us and direct us to bring glory to the name of Jesus. That's what we pray today. In your mighty name, Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you. If you need special prayer for anything, come and we'll pray for you. Otherwise hit the mission field.